Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The call to post means it's time for Off to the Races on the Racing Biz Radio Network. We're talking thoroughbred racing and breeding from Virginia, around the Mid-Atlantic, and across the country. Off to the Races is powered by The Racing Biz, the independent voice for Mid-Atlantic racing and breeding. Find them at www.theracingbiz.com. Now here's your host with Off to the Races on The Racing Biz Radio Network. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday to you. It is Saturday, the 22nd of February. Appreciate you spending a little bit of your Saturday morning with us here as we talk thoroughbred racing and breeding in Virginia, across the mid-Atlantic, and around the country. It is show number one of 2020. Excited to get the season underway here in 2020 with our very first show. And we are on the air. This is sort of unbelievable to me. We are on the air for the 21st year. My name is Frank Vespi. I'm going to be your host uh, today and most every week for the next several months. I've been doing this for, I don't know, five, six years. Derby Bill and Nick Hahn, they're going to be joining me a little bit later. They're the guys who founded this show 21 years on the air for off to the races that's gotta put us in the upper oh one percent or so uh, of horse racing radio shows by longevity in the country so pretty excited for our 21st season here on off to the races and pretty excited for our 2020 schedule we're going to be on the air from today the 22nd of february through August 29th, that's the last Saturday in August, that's going to let us be on the air throughout the Triple Crown season and beyond summer racing. Colonial Downs will be here every Saturday, the Colonial Downs meet, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about racing in Virginia. We're going to be talking, not today, but in coming weeks about some things happening legislatively in Virginia, talking about the breeding program, all kinds of stuff coming down the road, so should be a really fun year here on Off to the Races. Today's show and every show here on Off to the Races is powered by The Racing Biz. Check us out online, www.theracingbiz.com. You get our free mobile app for Apple and Android devices. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Flickr. We're at The Racing Biz. And always looking to make new friends on social media at The Racing Biz. And if you go to theracingbiz.com today, you can get in our free handicapping contest that features eight races from Laurel Park always a lot of fun and since it's a free contest no pressure so come join us at theracingbiz.com get in the free contest and we'll look forward to seeing how you do later on this afternoon today's episode of off to the races is presented by our friends at the virginia thoroughbred association and the virginia equine alliance they are helping to make virginia racing history you can learn more at virginiahorseracing.com our friends have been good allies to us here from the vta the vea check them out at virginiahorseracing.com 
usually when we do our, our shows, we take a look back at the week that was, but let's, let's take a one step farther back from that. Let's take a quick look at the leading three-year-olds in the country as we begin to get into uh, Triple Crown season here in 2020. According to the first national thoroughbred Racing Association Top Thoroughbred Poll of the Year. The leader at this early juncture is Tis the Law. Tis the Law won the Holy Bull Stakes at Gulfstream Park a couple of weeks back. And Tis the Law is in front. Less than a quarter of a mile to go in the Holy Bull. Tis the Law sets sail under Manny Franco and moves to a three-length lead. Ette Indian is back to second, well clear of Toledo Turf in third with an eighth of a mile left to go. Tis the Law shifting ground to touch. He's down toward the inner rail, but he's in front. Ette Indian is game, but he's only second best to Sakatoga Stables. Tis the Law, your Holy Bull winner. Tis the Law has now won three of four career starts, including the grade one champagne and, of course, the Holy Bull right there. He skipped last fall's Breeders' Cup Juvenile because trainer Barkley Tag doesn't think that's the best way to get to the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, you got a two-year-old that looks like that kind of horse. You want to get to the Kentucky Derby. And really, who can argue with the guy? He and the owner of Tis Law, Sacatoga Stable, had great success skipping the Breeders' Cup all those years ago with Funny Side, who went on to win the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, did not manage to secure the triple in the Belmont, but still a dual classic winner is nothing to sneeze at. And the, the fun group that had Funny Side is back again with Tis the Law. Tis the Law's nearest pursuer in the NTRA poll is Thousand Words. He's the winner of Santa Anita's Robert B. Lewis Stakes. High velocity, thousand words looking for room now inside. Tis a magician. They're a furlong from the finish. Thousand words length and stride has to get to high velocity. High velocity, thousand words. Royal Act running a big race on the outside and Tis a magician. Thousand words just in front. Here's Royal Act on the outside. Thousand words. Thousand words wins the Robert B. Lewis and Bob Baffert with another incredible milestone. 3,000 North American wins. Thousand Words didn't debut until just prior to the Breeders' Cup last fall. So he, like Tis the Law, skipped that event as well. Be interesting to see if the how the top two go forward having skipped the, the big two-year-old event. Thousand Words has won all three of his career starts now, two in graded stakes company. He was a million-dollar auction purchase. He's a son of pioneer of the Nile, out of the multiple graded stakes winner Pomeroy's Pistol. He's owned by Albaugh Family Stables, Spendthrift Farm. He's trained by Bob Baffert, who, as you just heard, won his 3,000th race in the Bob Lewis. Those two, Tis the Law and Thousand Words, are followed in the NTRA poll by Nadal, Authentic and Dennis Moment. Dennis Moment, the beaten favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last fall when he had trouble getting out of the gate. Baffert was not the only trainer to reach a milestone this past week. In fact, a couple based here in the Mid-Atlantic did so as well. At Parks Racing, Jamie Ness won his 3,000th race. He's done that in fewer than 13,000 starts when late-breaking news took Tuesday's seventh race at Parks. A couple days prior to that at Laurel, trainer Jerry Robb reached 2,000 career wins. That was last Saturday when Stroll Smokin took the nightcap. So congrats to both Jamie Ness on 3,000 wins and Jerry Robb on 2,000. 
We're up against our first break here on Off to the Race. Got a great show lined up, as I mentioned. Derby Bill, Nick Hahn going to be in the house a little bit later. But we, in the interim period, we're going to talk a little bit of Pimlico. Right after the break, going to have Alan Rifkin. After him, Alan Foreman. They are two of the architects of the deal to create a new Pimlico and keep the Preakness in Baltimore. If you're interested at all in the Preakness and that situation, you won't want to miss what they have to say. You're listening to Off to the Races Radio, and we are coming right back. Reality Radio. It's Black History Month, and the first slaves arrived in Virginia in 1619 and became the economic engine that enabled Virginia to grow and prosper. Today, blacks are 20% of the state population and close to 50% of Richmond, Norfolk, Portsmouth, and Danville. Right now, the Virginia General Assembly and the governor are in the process of legalizing casino gambling, which will directly impact the black community. While billions of dollars of value will be created by this legislation, there is no discussion about African American participation in jobs, management, construction, service contracts, or investment opportunities. However, Indian tribes and out-of-state billionaires are currently under consideration for inclusion. Our community deserves access to the economic opportunities created by casinos. Email or call your state legislators and the governor's office to say that black economic inclusion in casinos matters. Sponsored by Urban One. When you're searching for a new mattress, you may be faced with a choice between a traditional inner spring or memory foam mattress. But you don't have to choose. You can get the active support of a high-quality inner spring with the comfort of memory foam in the new hybrid mattresses from the original Mattress Factory. With two new hand-built hybrid models to choose from, you can expect the latest in sleep innovation at the same high-quality and factory-direct pricing you've come to expect from the original Mattress Factory. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. When the original Mattress Factory first opened for business, we offered mattresses that were the same quality as the mainstream brands, but at a fraction of the cost. Our Factory Direct model made it easy for customers to understand they were getting a great value. But over the last few decades, the mainstream mattress brands have made major cuts to quality, while the original Mattress Factory's quality has only improved. And we still cost less than those other brands. We know that all sounds too good to be true. That's why we're inviting you to stop by one of our stores or factory locations to see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Luck Chevrolet has been the Chevy truck expert since 1916, and they've got something for everyone. There's economical SUVs like Trax and Equinox, people haulers like Traverse, Tahoe, and Suburban, and pickups like the mid-size Colorado to the one-ton Silverado. Let Luck find the right fit for your job or lifestyle. Call them at 804-798-9261. Shop online at LuckChevrolet.com or stop by their convenient lot on U.S. Route 1 in Ashland and buy your next truck from Luck. Luck Chevrolet since 1916. Here in the RVA, we love our barbecue. That doesn't mean frozen, processed, or pre-cooked, but real, authentic barbecue. And that's what Buzz and Ned's delivers every day. Buzz cooks with fresh-cut hickory locks that produces meat so moist and tender it melts in your mouth with a sweet, tangy sauce that lingers all day. Don't settle when it comes to Southern barbecue. Make your next stop Buzz and Ned's Real Barbecue. Satisfying food lovers since 1992. This is Dan Levitard. Catch me and Stugatz every weekday from 10 to 1. Now on your FM dial at 99.5 and 1027 ESPN.
Welcome back, everybody. Off to the races. First show of 2020 and first interview segment of 2020. So we're kicking things off here. Happy to welcome in right now Alan Rifkin. Alan, an attorney representing the Stronic Group. He's one of the folks who helped craft a deal legislation now in Annapolis that would keep the Preakness at Pimlico and Baltimore lead to the renovation of Laurel Park. Alan, welcome to the program. Hi, Frank. How are you? An honor to be on your show. I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, well, thank you very much. You you, uh, you could start the fan club then. You may be the only one. <laughs> um, so let me, uh, let's start with this. About a year ago, the sides were at each other's throats. The, you know, the Stronic Group had pushed legislation that kind of cut Pimlico out of the deal. The city was suing the Stronic Group, trying to take possession of Pimlico. And it was really, uh, you know, the sort of angry words were exchanged. It was kind of a bad situation. A few months later, the sides are standing shoulder to shoulder, singing Kumbaya, and they have this proposal that saves Pimlico, renovates Laurel. What changed to make all this happen? Well, it sounds daunting, doesn't it? So uh, <laughs> you're right. The, the the parties were at each other's throats, and essentially for good reason. Uh, each of them had a very considerable interest to protect, right? The Stronic Group and the Maryland Jockey Club were concerned that it was becoming impossible to operate two racetracks 30 miles apart from one another with crumbling infrastructure and no resources to consolidate or renovate. The city, of course, was uh, concerned, rightly so, about maintaining the biggest sporting event uh, in the city, the Preakness, for years to come. The horsemen were concerned because they were sort of caught in a crossfire, uh, and there didn't seem to be a solution. But, uh, you know, sometimes the darkest moments create the greatest opportunity. And when, uh, when the Preakness came last year, uh, we fortunately got the mayor together with Belinda Stronach. Uh, they sat down for a moment. And they said to each other, you know, I respect your position. And each of them did. Uh, and then said to each other, well, how do we get out of this? And they came up with, I think, the, the grand idea that if they could each designate one individual, you didn't want too many people involved in this because it was you know, like old big events and too many people create too many problems. But if they each could designate someone they trusted uh, to sit in a room, close the door, figure it out, maybe there could be some common ground that could lead to a resolution that would work for everybody. That moment, that seminal moment of last year of Preakness, uh, where Belinda and, uh, and the mayor got together, led to these discussions. And I have to tell you, Frank, one of the great fortunes in all of this is that the city designated a gentleman by the name of Bill Cole, who was the former director of the Baltimore Economic Development Corp., a terrific urban planner. The horseman designated Alan Foreman, who many of your listeners will know, uh, you know represented the, the Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association for decades, and I don't know that anybody has greater compassion or understanding of the industry than Alan does. And then, for some reason, I got designated by the Maryland Jockey Club and the Stronach Group, and we literally went in a room, closed the door, and came out four and a half months later. Actually, we're going to have Alan Foreman on right after you, Alan, so we'll, uh, we'll uh, be able to hear from him as well on this. From your perspective, from the Stronic Group's perspective, as you got in that room, what are the things that you needed to walk out of the room with? What did you need to make this deal happen? Well, we, we needed to have a common understanding that Pimlico was built 150 years ago 
on 150-year-old infrastructure. And that infrastructure either had to be modernized, that is, all the facilities, including what's underground, had to be modernized, or it just was not going to be feasible to run the Preakness there any longer. It's a world-class event. It deserves a world-class venue, and Pimlico was not that world-class venue. So either we were going to find the way to modernize that facility, or we were going to have to consolidate at Laurel Park and modernize that facility, which is not altogether that much younger. Uh, Laurel Park was built in 1911. So we needed to find a capital plan that would allow for the revenue necessary to rebuild Pimlico and then to rebuild Laurel so it would become the year-round racing venue. And then we had to figure out how do we operate two facilities and what are their purposes? And Alan Foreman, and I will tell you when you get him on the air, I'm not going to embarrass him here, but I've done it before. There, this could not have happened without Alan Foreman. He was the first call that I made uh, uh, when I got designated to be the negotiator for the jockey club and the, and the Preakness. Called Alan, I said, Alan, I need your help. And we need to leave all the swords at the door. And you and I and Bill Cole are going to figure this out because we owe it to the people of the state of Maryland. And we owe it to the racing industry to find a way. And so that's what we did. Now, when the Maryland Stadium Authority looked into Pimlico, which it did really two different times, the the plans it came up with called for spending really even beyond $400 million to renovate Pimlico. So I'm curious, how do you do two tracks? How do you do Pimlico and Laurel for less than the amount of money they were saying it was going to take to do one? And, and Frank, that was our challenge. And, and so the stadium authority, who, who, was, who are the best in the business, the Maryland Stadium Authority knows how to build stadiums, they know how to build them right, and they know how to build them cost-effectively. But their challenge and their charge was completely different than our challenge and our charge. They were asked back in 2016 and then again in 2018 by the state of Maryland to rebuild Pimlico Racecourse as it was then, that is, 400,000 square feet under roof, a brick-and-mortar facility that could house uh, 60,000, 70,000 people in fixed seats. And that is a completely different vision than Alan Foreman and Bill Cole and I had. Our view was people do not consume sports the same way today as they did 50 years ago. Fixed seats is, uh, 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 for some segment of the population, very important. But for a large and growing segment of the population, people want to move around at sporting events. They want to socialize. They want areas where they can mingle and roam. The The notion of rebuilding Pimlico exactly as it would be torn down, which was MSA's charge, was very expensive. Bricks and mortar to replace 400,000 square feet was, as you said, about $424 million. But if you, if you envisioned a smaller clubhouse and event center, that was capable of having infrastructure built around it so that it could then be expanded when major events came uh, and had more social areas and less fixed seats. You could drive the cost down, expand the opportunities, and then have enough money left over to also do Laurel and Pimlico. And we spent a lot of time with architects, engineers, uh, uh, folks who are very familiar with sports facilities, I happen to have done many years ago Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and that was where I got my start doing stadiums. And I have to tell you, then the, the challenge was fixed seats. Today, the challenge is open spaces. 
And so we, we hired HOK, the former HOK, which is now called the Populist Group, same group that did Oriole Park Camden Yard. And we gave them this challenge. And we went through iterations and iterations and drawings and concept plans and pricing and finally got the pieces to work out where it was less expensive to do more and to create a modern, state-of-the-art, fabulous uh, two facilities, not just one. We're talking with Alan Rifkin. We're talking Preakness and Pimlico here with Alan. And Alan, one of the things I want to talk about is I um, probably, I'm sure you have and, and Alan Foreman has and a few other people have, but I got to believe I'm one of the few people who's not getting paid to do work on this legislation who's actually read the legislation. And I want to talk about the property conveyances that are in the legislation. Specifically, there's language requiring the Stronic Group to convey the buoy property to, to a couple different governmental entities, uh, the Pimlico site in whole or in part to the city of Baltimore or, or its designee, and to grant an interest in the Laurel Racing Facility site to Anne Arundel County. Can you explain to our listeners and, you know, flying from 30,000 feet here, what's going on with these and what the purposes of these conveyances uh, are? Let me, break, let me break them down. Each one of them is a bit different. The city of Baltimore has always wanted to redevelop the area around the Pimlico Racecourse and make it a bridge, not a barrier, between two very important communities, the Park Heights community and the Mount Washington community which is anchored by the Sinai Hospital at one end. And they have been thoroughly unable to redevelop that property. And the Stronics have been thoroughly unable to redevelop the property because the infrastructure underneath it was so decrepit. So we said, well, wait a minute. Why don't we do this? Why don't we donate the land, the entire Pimlico site to the city? We'll rotate the track 30 degrees to the north, which then creates nine legitimate building parcels of reasonable size. You then, the city, through the Economic Development Corporation, can commercialize them, connect them to the hospital campus, connect them to the Park Heights community, connect them to Mount Washington. You put in the infrastructure, and we'll give you the land. That helped make this project work. Everybody had to come with something. Everybody had to donate something, whether it was the money to build the project or the land itself. And that singular gesture from the Stronach Group to donate the Pimlico land uh, has, has transformed this entire project. And the communities of interest now have the opportunity for recreational fields and, and for community access to the clubhouse. Remember, Pimlico now serves a specialized purpose. Under our plan, it is the major event center for the Preakness. The rest of the year, it's a community asset. Laurel Park is the year-round racing facility. Now, as to Laurel Park, the bonds will be issued by the state stadium authority if the bill passes, and therefore it has to be on governmental land. So both Baltimore, uh, Pimlico and Laurel Park have to be leased, essentially, to the government so that the government can then issue the bonds necessary to build the projects, and the Stronach Group will lease the properties back for the particular use. It's called a lease-back lease arrangement. Bowie is a little different question. Bowie, I, I think, is a little ahead of its skis. Uh, um, there are those who uh, want the Bowie property, uh, and it may well be fallow when all this is done. It may well not be needed for any racing purposes. But right now, during transition, we have to have a place to put horses, particularly when we're knocking Laurel Park to the ground and rebuilding it. 
And so uh, we're not yet there on what to do with the Bowie property, although we have said many times, you know, we'll enter into reasonable discussions. Our, our ears are open when we get to that point. So that would seem to suggest that that uh, the language in the, I think it's the Senate bill where I got that language from, is still being negotiated at this point. This is my understanding. I'm not. I'm not privy to all the ins and outs of who's got what amendments, and that's all done by the government folks. But my understanding is there's a slightly different position in the Senate and the House. Everyone knows our position, and so all those things will get worked out between now and the end of the session one way or another. Okay, Alan, one last question, then I'll cut you loose. This bill passes if what? Finish the sentence for me. Well, if it does, then I think Maryland will be the epicenter of horse racing in the country. It'll have the greatest events center for the Preakness, which is a world-class event, Frank, as you and your listeners know better than anyone. It'll be housed in a facility that's well-deserving of that national reputation or international reputation. And Laurel Park will become singularly the best racing and training site in the country, if not the world. I I don't say that modestly. I think it is true. And I think uh, Alan Foreman will agree with me when you talk to him. (laughs) I'm going to hold him to that. (laughs) All right. Alan Rifkin, thanks so much for spending a little bit of your Saturday morning with us and helping to get us up to speed on the situation regarding Pimlico and the Preakness. Thanks so much. Our, Our pleasure. All right, that was Alan Rifkin. We're up against a break here on Off to the Races. When we come back, Alan Foreman, who represents the Maryland Horsemen, going to give us their perspective on what's going on with Pimlico and the Preakness. You are listening to Off to the Races Radio, and we will be right back. Got a sports opinion you just can't wait to share? Call the ESPN Richmond voicemail anytime. 638-9508. Leave us a message with your thoughts, and we'll play them back on Black and Drew. 804 9508. It's names you remember. Cox, Chipper, Glavin, and Maddox. Press them on the road! Yes! 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 Brand, you Their success helped build a winning tradition in Atlanta. But now, it's Acuna, Freeman, and Hamels donning the tomahawk across the front of their uniform as they embark on a third consecutive division title. This is your new home of the Atlanta Braves. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. At Aaron's, we believe in the magic of wintertime more. That magic that comes from good people out there, always helping others, working hard and providing for those they love, no matter what. So why are there so many stores unwilling to work with some good people? Just because your credit isn't the best doesn't mean your TV or refrigerator can't be. That's why at Aaron's, we work with you. So you can get flexible lease-to-own plans that fit your budget. Because good people always deserve better. Aaron's. Easy, beautiful, affordable. You have to be up in five hours, two hours, six minutes. And when you hear, you realize that you haven't slept a wink. That's why there's Zequil Pure Z's, a drug-free blend of botanicals with an optimal dose of melatonin, so you can fall asleep naturally with no next-day grogginess. It's available in both liquid and gummies, tastes great, and is non-habit-forming. Pick up Zequil Pure Z's from the sleep experts at Vic Zequil. Zequil Pure Z's, naturally superior sleep, available at retailers near you. You're in charge of hiring and Indeed has solutions, like online skills tests, which let a candidate show that they're the right hire. 
And we'll give you this barbershop quartet who'll sing the name of the perfect hire. Vince Lundy. Vince Lundy. Vince Lundy. Vince Lundy. Okay, there's no quartet. But skills tests, that's a for sure. See why independent research by Silk Road shows Indeed delivers three times more hires than any other job site. Visit Indeed.com slash promo today and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here for KFC's $20 Phillips. There's so much food and so many ways to feed your family. Choosing between three buckets might be hard. Okay, let's begin. A. Eight pieces of original recipe chicken. B. Eight pieces of extra crispy chicken. C. Twelve extra crispy tenders. Think of it as a delicious multiple-choice test you can't fail. It also comes with two large mashed taters, large coleslaw, and four biscuits. Now choose your $20 fill-up and get it delivered or to KFC. It's finger-licking good. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Tax extra. Delivery service and additional fees apply. Some secrets aren't meant to be kept. If you feel someone you know is at risk of suicide, don't keep it a secret. Listen to them. Let them talk. And let them know you care and are concerned. Suicide is preventable. Learn how to take action and save a life. Suicide. Recognize it. Talk about it. Act on it. Learn more at recognizetalkact.org. A message from the Virginia Department of Health. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at ESPN Richmond. Keeping you up to date 24-7. We are 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. Welcome back, everybody. Third segment here, Off to the Races Radio. We're talking thoroughbred racing and breeding, our first show of 2020. And we're taking a little bit of a deep dive into the situation with Pimlico and the Preakness. And joining us right now is Alan Foreman. Alan, the general counsel for the Maryland Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association. He represented not just the horsemen, but also the basically the industry at large in discussions over Pimlico that led to the legislation we just discussed with Alan Rifkin. Alan, welcome to the program. Thanks for making a little time on a Saturday for us. Sure. Good morning, Frank. Thank you for having me on, and uh, welcome back. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Um, let's start with this, Alan. It, it's usually pretty hard to separate horsemen from purse money, but the horsemen are kicking in $5 million a year uh under the legislation that's been proposed to to make this Pimlico Laurel deal happen, what is it that got them to agree to kicking in in that way? Well, the horsemen and the breeders in this state have been invested in the future of the industry and have been very willing partners with the Maryland Jockey Club for now uh, more than eight years. I mean, you have to go back to a time eight years ago when the industry in Maryland was in crisis and was on the verge of collapsing. Uh, we were not going to get a casino at our racetracks. We were getting uh, crushed by competition from our neighboring states, and we didn't know what the future would be. Uh, when the legislature legalized um, slot machine gaming in the state, they allocated to the industry a portion of revenue for purses they allocated a portion for capital improvements, and they essentially said to us, you, you guys have to get your house in order, and you have to fix this industry on your own if you want to have a future, and we're going to give you the resources to do that. And so we, as you may recall, went through about a year and a half of very difficult negotiations with all of the stakeholders that led to what is known as the 10-year agreement, and we essentially started revenue sharing with all of our partners, we all went in together to try to rebuild the industry, and it's created a renaissance 
in Maryland racing. What what didn't get solved was the problem with Pimlico and and whatever would happen with Pimlico and the Preakness would have a ricochet effect on the rest of the industry. So when this situation presented ourselves and we had an opportunity to get new facilities, a new backstretch, a new Pimlico, a new Laurel, keep the Preakness in Baltimore, uh, and do it in a in a way that would protect the industry for the next 30 years at least. Um, it wasn't a hard sell to suggest to the horsemen that they take a small portion of the VLT revenues that are allocated for purses and invest it into the industry going forward. And that's what this is. This is not about taking money out of our own pockets. This is about collectively investing in the industry for the future. Now, Alan, as you went into these negotiations and you're representing the horsemen and, and the industry at large, what are the things that, you know, what were sort of your marching orders? What were the things that, that folks that you represent were saying, we got to have these out of this deal? Well, I didn't have marching orders because when I was invited into the negotiations by Alan Rifkin, everything was totally confidential. The horsemen and breeders did not know these negotiations were going on. At, at least in part, there were times when we called some individuals in to help us on some of the issues, but it wasn't until we were very far down the road and we thought that there was a, a possibility, at least, that this could happen as we put the financing plan together, that we started having discussions with individuals about the financing plan. Uh, when we felt that the financing plan would work, we then brought in the board's of the MTHA and the Maryland Horse Breeders, again, on a confidential basis to discuss the financing plans. But, you know, from my perspective, being a long-term um, individual involved in Maryland racing, the key was that if we were going to close Pimlico for racing and training, we had to have suitable facilities for year-round racing and training. Um, we needed to fix issues related to the backstretch at Laurel when we first started we were looking at the possibility of Bowie as a training center. Um, we had to address the issue of substandard housing for our batch, backstretch workers. And ultimately lo looking at, you know, how are we going to bring fans out um, to, um, you know, embrace our industry going forward. So from my perspective, it was protecting the long-term viability of the industry and ensuring that wherever racing was going to be conducted on a year-round basis, that we could do so, and we could do so and get it right. Do you think uh, horsemen in general, uh, is it your sense that they preferred to keep Pimlico, or were they sort of agnostic on it? Or, or what, what, what do you think the position of the horsemen in general on, on Pimlico per se? Obviously, they're in favor of keeping the Preakness and racing in Maryland, but but on the specific question of Pimlico. Well, you, you know, you, you, I, I, there, was, there was no consensus. There, there were discussions. It was really never presented to the MTHA, for example, or the Maryland horse breeders as um, uh, to take a position. Uh, we've got a very large and diverse membership MTHA, and you had those who wanted Pimlico rebuilt with racing and training at Pimlico and to keep Laurel as a facility year-round also. The economics of that just didn't work, and I think people understood that, and it was always presented as an either-or situation, not both. So it was either close Pimlico, move the Preakness to Laurel, and move racing to Laurel, or uh, fix up Pimlico, close Laurel, and move Laurel and Maryland racing to Pimlico. 
So you only really were looking at two options. Nobody, I, I think, ever contemplated that we would have a plan that would involve essentially keeping both facilities. And, and I think what's been done at Pimlico is brilliant. I think that when we decided what we could do with Pimlico and looked at, well, how are we going to protect year-round racing? Because we needed another uh, surface to train on and perhaps race on. We needed to fix the barn area. Of course, we needed to do the housing. And then when we started touring the clubhouse at Laurel, we realized that Laurel's clubhouse suffered from many of the same problems as Pimlico. So we then looked at, well, can we do both? And I think one of the really um, superb things about this plan is that we're able to do both in a very intelligent way that um, I think accommodates modern sporting facilities today. They're brand new um, and in a way that we can afford to pay for it. And if you recall, the original plan was to redo Pimlico and the stadium authority projected the cost of just doing Pimlico at $425 million dollars. And right. here we're doing both Pimlico and Laurel for three hundred and seventy-five, three hundred eighty million dollars. But it's a pretty, uh, pretty incredible um, change of events. It is. It's a. You're right. It is. It's kind of. It ends up being a plan that was on no one's radar screen when when this all began. Alan, what do you uh, play play pundit for me for a minute? What's your take? Is this legislation going to go through? Um, I'm very optimistic. The legislation is sponsored by leadership. Uh, the Speaker of the House is sponsoring the House bill. So if I were a betting person, I would think the odds are, are quite good that the legislation is going to pass the House. In the Senate, it's sponsored by the powerful chairman of the Budget and Tax Committee. Um, and the President of the Senate has made very clear that he thinks this is one of the most important pieces of legislation that needs to pass. So um, I'm I'm very optimistic that this legislation will move, will move quickly. We have not heard opposition. We've been briefing legislators. We've been meeting with community groups. We've been meeting with media. Uh, we've been meeting with the racing community since October to get feedback. And um, I am, uh, you know, I'm an optimistic person to, believe, to begin with, but I am I'm, I'm confident that this legislation is going to pass. It's going to get to the governor's desk for signature and that we're going to be underway um, uh, at least preliminary work in the spring. Well, that's certainly good news for the racing industry. Last question, I'll cut you loose. My understanding of the legislation is it, it really kind of sets Maryland Racing to be there for the long term, not just in the obvious sense that you get new facilities and isn't that great, but there, there's also sort of language in the legislation that, that kind of says these deals have to continue as long as there's outstanding bonds, which kind of is good news for the industry, is it not? Yes. I mean, there's two aspects of it that I think uh, protect the industry long term. The first is that the Strana Group is donating the land to Pimlico. And they're also contributing the land at Laurel under a land lease for a period of 30 years. Um, and, and so in, in some respects, they're relinquishing control. So to the extent that the Stronach Group would decide they want to get out of the racing business or uh, whatever, they're not going to be able to sell. And if they want to get out, there will be a mechanism to step in and ensure that these racing facilities and racing continues in Maryland for the long term. That, that is an incredibly huge um, aspect of this plan. And, of course, the other is 
that this plan is being financed by long-term bonds, municipal bonds. And um, so those bonds have to be paid off. And, I, you know, look, if the, if the industry were to collapse, which I don't see happening given the long-term history of racing in Maryland, um, you know, the bondholders will be protected under this legislation. But it really does, in a way that you will not see anywhere else in the country, and I don't know that you'll ever see it again, protect this industry for the long term. But it also, uh, it's a message to the industry that it has to continue with the commitment that the, the stakeholders have made, the individuals have made, and we've got to continue to uh, demonstrate that Maryland Racing is, if not the best in the world, among the best in the world. And we'll... We'll be up to that commitment. I have no doubt about that. Well, that seems like a perfect place to leave it. Alan Foreman, thanks so much for spending a bit of your Saturday with us here on Off to the Races and and getting us up to speed on the Pimlico situation. Thanks so much and have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you, too. All right. That was the the two Allens who negotiated the helped negotiate the Pimlico deal. Alan Foreman, Alan Rifkin had them both. So you've had kind of a deep dive into Pimlico up against our final break. And when we come back, it's Derby Bill time. Derby Bill and Nikon going to join us here on Off to the Races. Sports, your favorite thing in the world, which means we're your favorite station in the world. Thanks. You're our favorite listener. I guess that makes it official. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Don't be fooled, Richmond, because this town is still Braves country. It's to Freddie. Smashed high in the air, deep right field, out to the chop house, and it's gone. The two-time National League East defending champions are coming to a new home. Out towards right center, here comes Acuna. He lays out. Did he reel it in? You bet he reeled it in. We're now your home of the Braves. The season opens March 26th in Arizona. The Braves are back on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. This is Reality Radio. It's Black History Month and the first slaves arrived in Virginia in 1619 and became the economic engine that enabled Virginia to grow and prosper. Today, blacks are 20% of the state population and close to 50% of Richmond, Norfolk, Portsmouth, and Danville. Right now, the Virginia General Assembly and the governor are in the process of legalizing casino gambling, which will directly impact the black community. While billions of dollars of value will be created by this legislation, there is no discussion about African-American participation in jobs, management, construction, service contracts, or investment opportunities. However, Indian tribes and out-of-state billionaires are currently under consideration for inclusion. Our community deserves access to the economic opportunities created by casinos. Email or call your state legislators and the governor's office to say that black economic inclusion in casinos matters. Sponsored by Urban One. Your jeans say a lot. Boyfriend jeans mean you want to keep things casual. Skinny jeans mean you're feeling chic. And jeans from JCPenney mean you're one savvy shopper. Find jeans that fit the everyday you. Shop all new ANA denim for $24.99 with so many sizes and washes, you'll definitely find your fave fits. Or get select Arizona denim for $21.99. Plus, you can always check jcp.com for coupons to save even more. JCPenney. Offers valid 220 to 226. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Don't go out to eat. Go out to Ida at Chili's. Chicken or shrimp fajitas are now on three for ten. So hear that chicken sizzle. Ooh, yummy. Or that shrimp sizzle. <laughs> they sound so similar. People laughing and having fun. <laughs> uh, hey, Gary, maybe take it down a notch. It's a bit much. 
Sorry. Sorry. Just kidding, Gary. Live your truth. Ah. <laughs> Go out to Ida at Chili's for three for ten. That's a starter, fajita, and coke, all for ten bucks. Together, we Chili's. At participating restaurants only, price may vary in Hawaii. Do you own a business or help make the marketing decisions where you work? Then why not advertise with Richmond's number one sports station? Market your company during one of our exclusive play-by-play broadcasts or local sports talk shows. In March, we're headed to Brooklyn, New York with Richmond and VCU at the Atlantic 10 Men's Basketball Tournament before traveling to Atlanta for the NCAA Final Four. To learn more about these sponsorship opportunities, call 804-672-9299. Be part of the winning team. Begin advertising today with ESPN Richmond. Welcome back, everybody. Off to the races. Final segment up against it here on our first show of 2020, kicking off the 21st year of Off to the Races. And going to be joined right now by Nick Hahn, Derby Bill Watson. Derby Bill, how's everything? Oh, it's great to be 21, finally on the radio. I can finally drink a beverage or two. Legally. <laughs> and I know you've always been very concerned about the legal drinking rules, so we appreciate your adherence to the local law and regulations. Nick Hahn, what's happening? Not a whole lot. Enjoying the basketball season, especially in the ODAC, uh, where uh, Hampton Sydney's been having a great winter and look forward to the game today. And certainly we'll, we'll follow all the racing. Uh, and, yeah, 21, hard to believe, Derby Bill. Uh, 21 years ago, we started off to the races and down the stretch in those days. And uh, and certainly uh, like to thank everybody that helped us along the way. Well, we'll, we'll uh, certainly have to uh, raise a glass to off to the races here now that we are indeed legal. And, and, and Nick, I wanted to ask you, I know you, you've been chatting with Debbie Easter at the uh, Virginia Thoroughbred Association. Give us a quick update, if you would, on what's happening with uh, uh, casino and, and other related legislation in Virginia. Well, uh, over the last two three years, and certainly last year with a live racing returning the Colonial Downs, the Virginia horse racing industry has shown a great deal of momentum, uh, certainly with the uh, residency program that's been so popular, it's helped many farms, and uh, now that we have some momentum moving forward, there's some uh, you know other forms of gaming that's arrived, and so uh, I, I think the it's a very complicated situation. We certainly look forward to talking to it, uh, t- talking more about it in the upcoming shows. But the horse racing industry is very active in the legislation and the legislature right now in terms of just making sure that we keep that momentum moving forward. And uh, and, and there's some uh, very intricate uh, you know, relationship, um, you know, part of the casino development that, you know, for a long time, racing and wagering in Virginia moves at such a slow pace, and it's really moving fast right now. So uh, you know, that, that's what a lot of Virginia's racing industry leaders are, are paying close attention to right now in the General Assembly, making sure that we keep our stake, you know, so to speak, in, in wagering. 
Let's shift gears onto the racetrack here. Derby Bill Watson, what do you feel like you have seen out of the three-year-old set so far this year? Who are the horses you're looking at and thinking, you know, these are these are some of the contenders that I'm looking at going towards the Kentucky Derby and beyond? Well, the big races are coming up here, uh, not this weekend. This weekend we have the Mind the Bird, but this, and the uh, Fountain of Youth starts next week, and that really gets it rolling in the Derby you have, uh, obviously, Bob Baffert has a stable pull. Steve Atkinson's <laughs> winning everything in the South. Um, and, you know, your man up north in uh, New York, you always have to worry about uh, the three-year-olds coming from there once they uh, warm up a little bit. Uh, John Sheriff has a, a horse called Honor AP, which would be appropriate this year with AP Indy just passing away at 31 years old. Honor AP would be a nice long shot for the Kentucky Derby sentimental uh, pick. Nadell is the one of Baffert's stables. Dale Romans here, Virginia Derby champion with Dennis uh, Moment, uh, top notch. Tis the law brings back an old uh, gray hair or no hair. Barkley Tag, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Barkley Tag, a funny side fame, and uh, he'll be heading resting that one for the Florida Derby at the end of March. So. There's another authentic, another Bob Baffert horse. It's, it's just uh, three big trainers have uh, dominated the sport here lately. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Honor AP. There are a couple of potential nice stories. Obviously, Honor AP in the year that uh, AP Indy passes away. Sacatoga Stables and Barkley Tag, who had funny side right back with uh, Tis the Law. And locally, a little closer to home, Mike Trombetta's got Independence Hall. Uh, Nick, what, are, what do you think as you look at the, uh, at the, um, uh, the three-year-old set? I, I want to throw ladies first here and mention high night. Uh, we may have a legitimate Virginia interest in the uh, Kentucky Oaks this year with Finite, who has won her last five races. It just seems to be standalone. You know, the, the three-year-old situation is kind of been like college basketball. Uh, nobody really seems to want to jump up there and stay at number one for very long. Uh, although Baylor has done it in the NCAA world. But, um, here recently, but uh, Mr. Monomoy is a horse that I, I kind of have a lot of interest in. Monomoy Girl is such a champion, um, you know, the old um, brother here to Monomoy Girl. The, um, you know, that's a horse I'm, I have a lot of interest in. Really kind of like storing the court for a while, but really a disappointing effort in the San Vicente, uh, you know, made kind of cloud the derby picture in terms of that horse reaching the starting gate. Mr. Monomoy is, is already in this, you know, with the 50 points off the win in the uh, race in Louisiana and the Risen Star last week. Uh, pretty much qualifies that horse. So we know at least maybe a few of the horses already that will start, provided they stay healthy. And, of course, Tisla Law is, is a leading candidate uh, for the uh, Kentucky Derby as well. So plenty of... Um, Racing action, you know, long way to go, even though the Derby's less than three months away. But uh, looking forward to this week, like Derby Bill said, not much on the Derby calendar other than the uh, highest. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, the big race in Tokyo. Uh, but until we have a foreign interest actually come in and win the Derby, I don't pay a lot of attention outside the uh, United States on, on Derby prospects. 
No, it's certainly been uh, been proven that it is difficult to prep a horse abroad and then bring him here for the first Saturday in May and win in the Kentucky Derby. We've seen we've seen a number try to do it from uh, Dubai without any notable success. Uh, Derby Bill, the Mind That Bird Derby today. Mind That Bird was the one of the more preposterous derby winners rallying up the rail in the slop to win off by like six lanes. That was the same year. He actually finished second in the Preakness then to uh, Rachel Alexandra, who, who kind of went on to kind of take all the air out of the room for the three-year-old set. It was all about Rachel Alexandra that year. Got any opinions on today's Mind That Bird Derby? Well, I believe I moved it to Sunday for you. So you can take an extra day to look at it. <laughs> And I'm going to need that. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it's a nice uh, preview for the Sunland Derby normally. This year there's only six horses, and it's almost a tribute to uh, Mike Smith uh, heading there, his home, homeland of the race, and there's only six in the fields. And there's no Kentucky Derby points involved in the race, so it loses a little bit of the luster. And, and you know, gets you pointed to the Sunland Derby, the $700,000 race that, yeah, more derby orientated. Uh, you get the local horses in this one. There's no no shippers in this one that are worth mentioning to me. There are. I think the local horses have a good chance of winning uh, that that race Sunday. Sunday, the Mine That Bird Derby. Nick, you have any thoughts on the Mine That Bird Derby? Well, it, it's going to be a slow pace if they start today and finish tomorrow. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jungle Runner uh, Asmussen has a horse that uh, you know has pretty good opportunity in that race. Kind of four to one actually in the morning line, so uh, you know, might get a little bit of a value play there. But yeah, mind that bird. I was at that Derby that year, and that truly was. I mean, it, it's a comical moment when a horse wins and everybody's trying. It was a muddy day; you couldn't really see the silks, you couldn't really see the saddlecloths, um, you know, very well. And everybody was going diving into the program, trying to figure out who won that race. Uh, when that happened, it was uh, what you know what a what a moment that was. Fifty to one, winning the uh, the Kentucky Derby, or actually more than that, I believe. That, that horse, I have to look that up. Maybe share that online or something. See what the odds were on that horse. It was at least fifty to one. I think it was between 50 and 60. He was so uh, such a surprise that Tom Durkin, the announcer, who was the best announcer that ever was, completely missed him until he was basically crossing the finish line. He, he snuck up the rail and, and Durkin whiffed on him, and then all of a sudden he was sort of almost laughing like it's an impossible upset with Mind That Bird. So it was certainly a, certainly a big surprise. Did any of you, either of you guys, I did not have Mind That Bird anywhere. What about you guys? Oh, I absolutely didn't. I, I was able to dig out Country House a little bit last year. Uh, I'm rewarded for that. Uh, uh, you know, controversial as, as last year's derby was, but no, I nowhere near mind that bird. Uh, no, that was... bird, but it was a different type. <laughs> All right, we're just a couple minutes to go here. Derby Bill, what are you looking forward to this year, just in general, in the racing world? Well, like, uh, I always follow the Triple Crown uh, to the maximum, and then uh, this year the match series is very important to the Mid-Atlantic area, which your lawyers of Allen & Allen were on earlier. The match series was always a highlight of, of, 
uh, the Mid-Atlantic Series with $100,000 races and actually might even be a prep race for that today at Tampa Bay with a horse called Extravagant Kid owned by David Ross, the leading owner of Colonial Downs. That horse might be pointed towards the match series that runs through Maryland, Delaware, all the Mid-Atlantic states, and they tie it together like they should to make horse racing successful. It's got to be more series races like the match series. Just a holic goes against extravagant kid today. So, you know, that type the match series will lead into a handicapping contest at Colonial Downs in August. So if you want to follow the matchseries.com and the Derby Trail, uh, two nice little one for the local area and one for the national area. All right, Derby. Bill, Nick, what about you? What are you looking forward to this year in just a minute? Oh, certainly the Triple Crown and the prep races. It's really the prep races leading up to the Triple Crown that I really like. And then, of course, the live racing when it's in state, when it's on Colonial Downs. Got the Triple and it can't be just so far away event um, this year. But, yeah, just waiting for uh, live racing and really enjoy the, the hospitality out there in New Kent for the live meet. Well, you got a, got a few months to wait for that, but we're all looking forward to uh, the return of live racing, the new Kent coming up later on this year in July and August. So that should be a lot of fun. Nick Hahn, Derby Bill Watson, always a pleasure to join you guys and chat with you guys here on the 21st birthday of Off to the Races Radio. Good luck today. Next week when you guys come back, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Looking forward to another great season. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks to uh, Matt Josephs, our producer, who also his program um, is coming up right after ours. So stay here and hear Matt Josephs coming up next. Thanks to our guests, Alan Rifkin, Alan Foreman, Derby Bill Watson, Nick Hahn. Thanks, of course, to our listeners. Otherwise, I'd just be talking to myself. Keep up with racing all week long on theracingbiz.com. You can tune in next week at the same time and the same station. You hear the independent voice from Mid-Atlantic Racing and Breeding. My name's Frank Vespi. This has been Off to the Races on the Racing Biz Radio. Have a great week, everybody. There's a new team playing in RVA. One, two, cranked high and deep to right field. Hit with tremendous force and way out of here. The Atlanta Braves are coming to ESPN Richmond. That ball crushed by Marquecas. That ball is gone into the basket. Atlanta Braves baseball is coming. The season opens March 26th in Arizona. Listen to Braves baseball this season on your home of the Braves. How do you like me now? 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. WSGI Richmond, WTPS Petersburg, 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. It's one of the game's oldest rivalries spanning seven decades, and it's not to be missed. Celtics, Lakers, tomorrow at 3 Eastern on 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Presented by Indeed. From the G Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. WTPS. Peter.